Hello and welcome to Draw, Loser, Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. I'm Heather Holloway and it's I'm very excited to be joining you as host again this week. Thoughts and prayers of Matt, who was supposed to be at Everton and is not, but we soldier on without him. I'm going to introduce our panel tonight. It's a it's it's a strong two. It's a strong pairing. It's some would call it I don't know the the Scott Patterson and Alan Archibald pairing, or maybe or maybe it's Danny Devine and Liam Lindsay. We never and I won't say who's who. Uh, for, first of all, we've got David Forrest. David, how are you? I'm doing well. It's been a good week. Halloween week, obviously big for me. How you know putting out the Halloween special? Go back and listen to it if you do it if you haven't. Very disappointed that literally two days after we announced our sister pod, Matt has already jettisoned this one off to someone else because he can't be bothered. So, apart from that, I'm doing well and I'm looking forward to chatting some fizzle. Excellent, David. And we have got Jamie McDonald. Jamie, are you well? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And uh, I noticed you said Danny Devine and Liam Lindsay in that order. Then you said David Forrest and Jamie McDonald. So I'm taking it as David's Devine and Lindsay. That's take it as you will. But I, I it, it was implied. <laughs> <laughs> well, just as like, what was it the tweet that you did today, David, about being normal? I did quite enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to start to tonight's podcast just talking. Uh, firstly. We had an exciting moment. I realised, and I don't know if David will relate to me here, there were some people that I was with on Friday who were saying that was the first time that they ever saw Thistle playing at Hamden. And it made me think about some of the different times that I've been at Hamden. For example, I got my COVID vaccine at Hamden, which was quite a surreal experience. I got told off by the people because I tried to go out and have a wee look at the pitch. You know, we hadn't really seen football for so long, so I was just so excited to see, you know, some goals. Another time, I mean, at Hamden, I think I went to go and see Take That at Hamden, and it was unreal. They had, like, this really cool elephant. But also, I mean, I um, have I've enjoyed a few different Scotland experiences there, but I just wondered, David and Jamie, I'll come to David first, your best experience, maybe your weirdest experience at Hamden. Well, I've got a best and a weird one. I, so I have, I absolutely love going around stadiums. And I don't mean like kind of stadium tours. I mean like going into the bills of stadiums and finding out what all the offices and stuff like that are. I, I love that, right? So if anyone wants to take me around for Hill and show me where all like the janitor closets are and stuff like that, I'm well in for that. But um, I uh, I remember, funny enough, you mentioned about getting your COVID vaccine hand in. I remember the day football got shut down my wife was organising a Christmas party. How little she knew at that point, but they were organising a Christmas party and work because you need to do it like eight, seven, eight, nine months in advance. And one of the venues they were looking at was Hamden. And she knows my affinity for going about and looking around stadiums and stuff like that. And she's like, do you want to come with me to like look out at this works Christmas party? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll come along. And we went to Hamden in the day they shut down football. And uh, we went around all the stadium and all that. And it was... It was an absolute, it was brilliant doing this sort of corporate events sort of tour of all the facilities and stuff like that. Uh, so that was a bit weird. Just it was literally the day football shot. I was at, I was at Hamden doing like scouting at a Christmas party. Um, but my favourite time at Hamden ever is this. I can't fully verify this, but I must be in the running for it. I think I might have been one of the last people ever to score at the old Hamden because I went on the stadium tour. So 
Uh, this would have been, I think, 96, 97. When they, you remember when they knocked it down and renovated it to make it what it is now and did put in like full seats and get rid of the terracing. I was one of the very last tours that they ever did. And it was literally like they were knocking it down like a week or so later uh, to the point where to show you how much they didn't care, they let me onto the pitch to run about on the field. And if you've done the Hamden tour, and I've done it since, it's absolutely brilliant. The football museum is fantastic. I know people who work in there. It is an amazing place and you should all do it. But um, you don't get a sniff at the pitch anymore. You're nowhere near it at all. But on that day, they're like, yeah, on you go run about. And I had a ball and I scored a goal at Hamden. And because they were getting rid of it, a man, a guy came up to me and my, my granddad took me. He's a big football fan. And I collect programmes. Like writing in a programme is like a lifelong dream for me. So I've been collecting them since like I was a very, very young kid. And a man came up to me and my granddad and says, we have thousands and thousands of old programs from Scotland games, cup finals, QP games, all of that, that we simply cannot get rid of. And we are knocking this place down like very, very soon. Would you like a giant box? I mean, a huge, huge, huge box of like every program from like every cup final, semi-final, Scotland game, Queen's Park games for like at least five, six, seven years going back. So like basically the whole of the 90s. And I was like, absolutely, because there's a big program there at the time, at the time, still am. And he gave me this, and honestly, I, I've, I've never, I think it might be the best, that and my Nintendo 64 are probably the best gifts I've ever had from anyone ever. Just a random guy who worked at Hamden giving us a giant box of all the old programs is fantastic. So I'd certainly say that one lived with me, that, that was brilliant, I loved that. Absolutely wonderful, David. And a very Partick Thistle answer in many ways, but especially because neither of your favourite moments include us. And that really just says a lot. <laughs> Jamie, do you have a favourite Hamden memory or experience? I'd love like a standout. Obviously, David's story about scoring the last goal at Hamden. It's always going to be any answer that comes after it. So when I was like 10 or 11, I think I did one of those Hamden experience birthday parties when you kind of get the stadium tour. Are you playing? I think it's some sort of indoor five-a-side pitch or, or something like that. And then, yeah, yeah, they've got they've got like a pitch in there because yeah, now you score the goal in the indoor pitch as opposed to yeah, uh, outside. So. Yeah. And then also, not for the result, but back in I think it was 2014, Scotland played Poland at Hamden. They drew two each. Pulling like Lewandowski scored in like the 95th minute or something to equalise. So when that fan ran on the pitch to get a selfie with him, which added more time onto the game, and then they scored in it. But um, the two goals Scotland scored that night were by Matt Ritchie and then Stephen Fletcher with two of the best goals I've seen live in football. They were absolutely fantastic. So that's a game that sticks out in my head. Absolutely wonderful. And I think that, I mean, obviously we do. It's, it's a strange experience going to Hampden for Thistle at Queen's Park games because there is that kind of eerie silence no matter what and it really you really struggle to make an atmosphere I think if the the fans I think we did quite well on Friday just me of of doing the best best we could but it is a weird experience but let's hope that someday we are there for a semi-final and a final and a win at some point we can live and dream so we're going to talk about the Queen's Park game, which I don't know about you, feels like forever ago. So I firstly, I'm going to ask David, was that an improvement from Dundee United? I know that sounds like a really stupid question, but a lot of people criticised 
the way we played on the on Friday against Queen's Park when and actually talked about that there was a few positives in the Dundee United game. Was it an improvement? I, I think I think there's an argument to be made either way. I mean, I went with a bunch of people and I'm uh, and me and Matt met afterwards. Um, uh, he. Him and Duncan Rayburn, who's been on the show before, and my friend Stefan is a QP fan. We all met together um, afterwards, and uh, we talked about it. And like Stefan and Duncan were convinced that QP were terrible and deserved nothing from the game, and we were convinced that we weren't very good either. I think I think we I think QP were probably uh, maybe I think it was sort of two underperforming teams underperforming essentially. Um, I'd say that there was an improvement. And that we scored goals and we had a bit more of an attacking threat to us than we did against Dundee United. But there was passages of play in Dundee United before the second half where we actually looked quite decent. I, so I, I, I really, I really don't know. I mean, the, the result was obviously much better, but that result, I think, it, I think the two-two felt better than the Dundee United. But I, I don't know. I don't. If you were Reese Jenkins, got like combing through the stats, I don't know if you would necessarily agree. Um, I think it was just generally the quality of both teams was just was worse than it was in the Dundee United game. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those weird things where it was like it wasn't a very entertaining game, but there was quite a few entertaining things that happened in it, if that makes sense. Well, all the goals were kind of humorous or or weird or whatever, but the rest of the game didn't really didn't really have anything to it. Um, so. It was good to stop the rot. You don't want to start this thing of just losing games on on the reg, and it was good to stop that. But it, it, improvement, mm, I, th- I think that could be debated. Yeah, I I agree with you there, and I think you're right in the sense of I never felt relaxed during the game. I felt that the, we had no flow, we had no continuity, we really struggled to form any sort of movement and passing forward. Jamie, obviously there was a few changes to the starting eleven after Dundee, a few forced changes because of Aaron Muirhead being an idiot. What did you think of Wasiri coming in, Ben Stanway, and um, then how did you assess the overall performance on Friday? I said in the chat, and I think I'd mentioned on Twitter as well, that I quite like to see a change of formation, mainly just to facilitate two up top. And obviously with Fitzpatrick out, I thought the way we'd do that is by maybe playing a more narrow midfield, a diamond or some form of maybe even a 4-4-2 I don't know something like that but ended up playing quite a strange shape in the end Brian Graham was playing almost as like a floating 10 which I don't think worked very well and Kerr McEnroy seemed to be kind of drifting out wide which I don't think really suited him either the players who came in I don't think was had his best game on the Friday so he gave away the penalty he looked a bit shaky so one of the things about him I do think as well is that I think he takes unnecessary risks on the ball for someone that's maybe not the most confident player right now. I mean, obviously, I do think he played a lot better last night, and we'll get on to that, but I don't think he had his best game. Stanway coming in, I thought Stanway did all right. I thought he had a pretty good game, but not, not many people did have a great game. It was just quite a flat performance. We resorted to long ball a lot, which was terrible to watch in general. I, I hate us playing long ball. I feel it doesn't ever really work. I know we got one or two flick-ons from Adeloy, but Still, I didn't think it worked very well. I thought our defence looked shaky all night. We conceded avoidable goals. It was a stupid penalty to give away. And then 
the second goal's sloppy again. Looking back, I couldn't tell at the time. Obviously, it got disallowed and re-allowed. But looking back, it does look like it was onside, which is poor from us. One of the good positives and probably was our best bit of play of the night was actually that kickoff goal. It was like something you'd see on FIFA, where we just took the ball, played one pass, I think, set Banning into Lawless, and then Lawless to Nguyen, and Nguyen across the face, and then Adelaide scores. It's glad to see Tommy Adelaide get another goal. I think he deserved one. I think he deserved to start in the league anyway. Apparently, he picked up a knock either in the game or during training, and that's why he was only like a cameo appearance last night. But hopefully, he's back and fit for Saturday. I think he's an important player for us. But overall, it just it wasn't a great game of football. I've seen quite a few Queen's Park fans say that they thought they were like outstanding. And realistically, I thought Queen's Park should have won it because they had more chances than us. They flashed the ball across the face. I think if Rory Payton had been a bit more switched on at times, he could have scored one or two tap-ins. I don't think we were great. I don't think they were great either. I just think they were better than us. We were kind of lucky to escape our point. Yeah, I agree with you there in the sense that it actually... If you'd said to me before the game that we would draw, I maybe would have been a little bit disappointed. But the minute the game started, I was like, right, if we if we get here also, the team that we ended with on Friday, that is not a team that is going to challenge this league. It just was so bitty and people out of position. And I think we were we were quite lucky. I do agree with you as well, Jamie, the fact that I think if you look at it for compare chances to chances I think that they they definitely had they had more of that David do you and um, we've got a, a a fan question from Dave Donnelly at basically asking is this one of the biggest steals that we've ever achieved have you can you can you name a better steal that we've had over the course of the last few seasons I mean I, d- I didn't even think it was that much of a steal <laughs> to be honest like um, I thought it was a good point, but I wasn't sitting and going, we've absolutely smashed and grabbed us. I'm trying to think of like of steals that we've had, though. There, there has been a few. I I was thinking because I think it came up. I think it's almost like, it's just like the anniversary of it when um, when Miles Story scored against Dundee. Yes. Like that. like that, like that one. Also, another one that came up recently, a memory, was... Again against Dundee when Kenny Miller, Lewis Mansell and was it Shea Gordon? When yeah. we were nil down for so long and then suddenly just turned it on in the last five minutes. Like to to me, those are bigger steals because well, firstly we got three points, but also like we really didn't deserve anything. Whereas I'm in agreement with you that I thought we were terrible. I also thought they weren't they were better than us, but they weren't they they weren't super. So I I almost feel like it was kind of one of those ones where it was like, you know what? We were both rubbish. Let's shake on it and have a point each. I think that's the best assessment you can make of the game, to be honest. Or both quite poor. Let's just call it quits. GG, that's it. Um yeah, I, I the, the Dundee ones are the two ones that I was uh, thinking of there that you mentioned. The other one I would say if that the goal against Hamilton last year hadn't been ruled offside. There you, there you go. There's your answer. Um, but to be fair, even being two one down and getting back to two each and effectively relegating them um, was a good, uh, good steal as well. Um, but if they scored that third one and it and it stayed in, I think that that's your answer there. But because that was that was absolute pandemonium when it went in. I do also. I mean, Jamie, you mentioned it about the goal on. Um, sorry, the. The fact that the Queen's Park goal was disallowed then allowed. Yes, it maybe was the overall correct decision. But to me, 
I just don't get how you can make that decision when we don't have VAR. And it reminds me a little bit of when Dario Zanata went down and got a penalty and then we never and then we and then it got taken away from us. Jamie, what do you think? Like, do we like seeing referees and linesmen, even though they can't replay it, making up these or not making them up, but, you know, coming to these conclusions? Is that good for the game or is it not? I'd say it's difficult. I don't particularly like VAR anyway, because I think it's overused and not always used correctly anyway. It was really strange to see the referee overrule the linesman like that, because obviously the linesman's got the optimal view for that sort of thing, seeing if the players are in line or not. The referee's behind the ball, so it was a pretty bold call for him to then overrule the linesman on it. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. Obviously, we don't know what was said between them. We don't know what the linesman thought, but if he just thought it was a regular offside, it's a pretty bold decision from the referee. And yeah, I do remember that. That Zanata one. That was effectively that relegated us, because if that hadn't happened and we'd scored that penalty, we wouldn't have gone down that season because of the season got cut short, etc. But yeah, it, it's strange to see referees doing that. And it's the sort of thing that if it's in your favour, you're like, oh, they've made the right decision anyway. If it, if it is the right decision in hindsight. But then if, if the referees say, it, you know, we watch that back, it turns out he is offside. You know, that's the big talk about it. Everyone's like, you know, we've just been robbed here. This referee's just overruled the correct decision from the linesman and enforced an incorrect decision. So it's the sort of thing that it's kind of hard to comment on because it kind of you have to look at it with hindsight. But it is it was a very bold move from the referee, and it's not something you see very often. The goal getting disallowed then reallowed. So yeah, it's, it's a really strange one. Yeah, absolutely. I think I don't know about you two, but I think it's time to move on from talking about such a poor game that probably in a few years to come, if some if when uh, Matt or David inevitably ask us a quiz question on this, we'll probably really lack being able to remember it but I do agree with Jamie that I do think that Tommy Adeloy goal will stick with me for a while just because how fired up everyone was and I loved the way that Brian Graham was like trying to fight him during the celebration it was great we do have a, a question and it's at it's from our very own Matt Greer um, who was talking about the fact he was really taken by the fact that they go out to local hero as their walkout music and it obviously we have Sylvia Focus, which is not our walkout music, but played before the game. David, can you think, Do you should we have a walkout song? Is there a song that you can think of or why do you think they go to Local Hero? Uh, yeah, I, w- I was wondering this. Um, lo- I mean, Local Hero is a fantastic walkout song. Um, it's up there with Zed Cars for Everton. They are like when you go to St. James's Park and you hear Local Hero, it just it gets... Because the hairs in the back of your neck standing up, and it's it's fantastic. Um, but I'm not sure. I think it's just a really really good song, to be honest. I think they just said, oh, we use a local hero. Um, I thought we did have walkout music. I thought we used a uh, faithless insomnia. I thought we used that when they walked out. However, I say that all walkout music, um, the kings of walkout music. Uh, is wrestling professional wrestling they they have walkout music for every wrestler and some of them the second you hear them you just get absolutely pumped up so i'd probably go for some like old wrestling walk uh walkout theme that like like this will mean nothing to your team either like ken shamrock or or something like that or even like stone cold steve austin just songs that when you hear them they just uh, you're ready you're ready for a fight and you're ready to see some action and um i would probably go for something like that love that jamie do you remember what did he go out to something or have you got any thoughts you know there is something we go out to but for some reason 
I can't remember what it is because we go at something different in the first and second half. Second half's always the boys are back in town. But the first half, it is something. And even though we heard it last night, I now can't remember what it is. Is it Avicii uh, levels by any chance? No, that was years. That used to be our goal tune back in the day. And then that got replaced by the Coons, this girl. And then now it's just, now it's kind of a variety of stuff, depending on which player scores, which I kind of prefer anyway. Speaking of walkout music, I remember there was a my favourite ever walkout music that we had. I swear to God, this happened, right? This must have been like 13, 14 it was when I wasn't, I hadn't been going for that long. I think it was around about 13, 14. They used to come out to the theme tune from Police Academy, which I thought, you know, a long running comedy franchise being soundtracked by um, the theme to Police Academy. If you've ever watched Police Academy films, they're all very slapstick, zany nonsense. And I feel that it really embodied what we are as a club, just slapstick, zany nonsense. So um, I, I bring back the Police Academy theme as the walkout music because I really enjoyed that. We used to also come out to, I think it was, I can't remember when this stopped, but I think the artist is called like Madion or something like that, maybe butchering that pronunciation. A song called Imperium. The only reason I knew what it was is because I think it was on like FIFA 15 or something like that. And we used to come out to that for about two years and like when we were in the Premiership, but that seemed to die away as well. That was a very, very loud, dramatic song for those speakers of, if you heard it, I think you'd remember it because it was so loud on the speakers when we played it. Was that the one that used to be the X Factor theme song? We definitely used to come out to the, we definitely used to come out to the X Factor. I'm sure. What well, the, the one that used to like fly for banana, David? Was there not also a banana song? A banana song? Are you, you're not thinking of banana splits? Because they used I, to say they used to sing that for Yuka Santala because he used to go Santa la 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 la. Oh that God, used to be yeah, but no, we yeah. used to some anyway. It's it's a it's just been a wild discretion. <laughs> it really, I can't wait for Matt to listen to his podcast and be like, oh my goodness, <laughs> they talked for so long about about Hamden and songs and not focusing on the football. Well, you know I'll, what? I'll Your team has played so badly. Why would you talk about the football? <laughs> As a treat, I'll stick one of them in at the end. Uh, well, well, maybe not replace Sylvia. That'd be terrible. Uh, well, 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 I suppose it's two draws. We don't know whether to use Laddie or Loud and Wainwright. I'll, I'll stick one of the walkout songs out, uh, as the theme tune this week just to shoot it up a bit. Absolutely love that. Well, I bet we better get on to talking about the air game. So, Jamie. Talking about the starting 11, obviously, after the Queen's Park game, we saw uh, Kieran Gwenya go off. I am of the thought, and I don't know if either of you agree with me. So he went off. He was clearly injured. We're at Hamden Park. They will definitely have a stretcher. Why did we make him walk all the way around the pitch? Like, yes, he got a nice clap from the fans. But to me, when someone goes off injured... And they're having to walk for quite a considerable weight just or like even like put your arm around them, put the weight on. He like hobbled the whole way. And I found that really frustrating. Did he, any of you think that? Yeah, I thought that was strange as well, especially because I think it didn't look like we were going to actually sub him off originally. Because I do remember seeing Graham like shout over to the bench and like signal that a sub had to be made and stuff. So I don't think we were actually ready to bring him off. I'm not sure if that's part of it, but it was strange because it took him about like three minutes, four minutes to get around because he was moving so slowly, obviously, because he just rolled his ankle on the pitch. It was really odd. OK, I'm glad that I wasn't the only angry one. David, did you have anything to say? Of all the pitches 
that you could have had him had to walk the perimeter around it's the one that everyone hates because it's so far away from the pitch and the perimeter and it's like a huge huge pitch hand impact like I mean if it was an owl or something that would be maybe a wee bit better but yeah it's very strange that that happened it it made me think of like you you see quite a lot in like Greece or Turkey where someone will get absolutely clattered and then they'll like try and give them a cold carry off the pitch and stuff like that because they don't have a stretcher or they just make them walk for miles and miles as people are like throwing stuff at them it's 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 really weird um I I don't get it as you say it's Hamden there should be a stretcher there like it's it's crazy well, David, I, I'm so glad you said that about the perimeter because I think Chris Doolin talked about the fact that, you know, obviously Hamden was a big pitch or a different pitch. I don't actually know what words he used. And I think someone on Twitter very quickly pointed out that actually Furhill and Hamden are the same diameters or something like that. I can't remember <laughs> what it was, <laughs> but it was quite, it was such a thistle fan thing to point out. So if that was you, thank you so much. If we were on off the ball, I'd I'd like give you a mug, but we're on draw, loser, draw, so you can just get a thumbs up. Talking about the starting eleven again, sorry, I mean before I went off on my um my my rant about this the injuries. Again, we had some more changes with Siri going in, with Williams starting. Jamie, what did you think of the of the formation before? A classic Reese a Reese question. When you saw the you know when you saw the lineup, what were you thinking? I mean, I was expecting either Muirhead or Nielsen to be playing at fullback, so I was kind of surprised when I saw Wasiri was the one there. I actually thought that that was arguably his best game for us so far. I thought he was more comfortable, didn't take as many risks, although he did do it once, but got away with it when he kind of dribbled around about two or three players. But in general, I thought he was a lot more comfortable putting a very decent shift at right back. I was glad to see Stanway keep his place. I wasn't sure if he was going to or not. Williamson was obviously kind of playing out on the left, which I don't think really worked very well because I just feel he's not really the kind of player that's going to take on his man, try to beat him for pace on the wing, which obviously usually we've got Fitzpatrick out there doing that. So I don't think it was a great like for like. But in general, I was pretty pleased with the lineup. The only thing I was I was kind of hoping to see Adloy retain his place, but as I said earlier, apparently apparently he's picked up some sort of injury, so I'm not surprised. I thought Graham did well anyway, but. Obviously, you got to go, but I was I was relatively pleased with the lineup when I saw it. Jamie, I'm going to stick with you because I know that David hasn't been able to see see the full the full game. What do you think the main improvement was from the Queens Park game? If you thought if you think there was any, to me, I thought there was an improvement. I did think it was better, but did you see any improvement? There was definitely a level of improvement. I still wouldn't say we're anywhere near our best, but there was definitely improvement. I thought we kept the ball on the ground a bit more. So I was saying, I alluded to earlier, it was, it was really frustrating. I hammed the amount of long ball we were playing. I thought we kept on the ground a bit better. Although I said it to, I said it in our chat at halftime, I thought Muirhead's distribution was absolutely woeful in the first half. He gave the ball away, just you know, rolling it through the middle of the park about three times at least in the first half that I noticed, which is you know, a really cheap thing to give away. But I'm much picking him. I think our distribution wasn't fantastic across the back line in the first half in general. But I just, our general play was a little bit better. I thought we had a bit more attacking intent. The fullbacks were getting forward a bit more, I thought, as well. We're linking up a little bit better. Plus, Danway had another good game. Harry Milne, that's his best game since coming back from injury, arguably. So I think we did look a bit better going forward. But, you know, once again, it's it's still some stupid defensive errors that we're making. I don't think the penalty was a penalty because 
I'm sure we'll go on to it, but Aaron Muirhead was filled before that ends up happening. He's kind of like pulled back and then he ends up falling into the challenge. But the first goal we can see, you know, it's like two minutes or something, two, three minutes after we've just gone ahead. It's such a sloppy goal to concede. You don't shut him down well down the right. Is it, is it Chalmers? I can't remember who it was. But then just yep, rolls the ball is. across the face. And it's the goal, when it goes in, was it, I think Murphy or something that scored it, he mishits that. That's not a good connection he makes in the ball. And it just trundles into the back of the net. So it's such a cheap goal to concede. A really, really frustrating one. And I know we've mentioned it before. We do have a pretty average defensive unit this season, maybe excluding the centre, uh, excluding our fullback, sorry. But it's it's still a really frustrating goal to concede. Yeah, and I think after all the effort that we went through to score, and it was such a beautiful goal, and you just think that, I mean, to me, it's coaching 101. I mean, I'm a, I coach uh, very young girls how to play hockey. And one of the biggest things is either when you, just after you've conceded or just after you've scored, that is the most important time for your head to be switched on and in the game. Because it is naturally the time where you low-key switch off, either the heads go down or the heads go too far up. And you just have to be on it no matter what. And I scream and shout it every Saturday morning that we need to keep our heads up and we need to go from the start again. I always say to my girls, I'm like, it's back to nil-nil and we go again. And Matt's going to hate me for saying that phrase. But I, I think you're right. It's such a cheap goal to concede. And it just takes away any of the momentum that we built that we, that we build up all the time before it. I also agree with you that I think Harry Milne, to me, Harry Milne was man of the match. I thought he was very unlucky not to score one of his other, other shots he had. And I just think in general that he has been quite poor. Um, even in that Morton game where we where we won 4-1, I thought, and, not, and he got sent off, I just thought he's just been not at the races for the last few while. So it was really good to see him back and especially with Jack McMillan out for, we, we're not quite sure when, um, you know, at least another few games, I'm assuming, then we really need Harry Milne to be to be on it. David, I know you haven't been able to watch all the game and things, but I'm sure you did see on Twitter and things, people discussing the fact that we didn't make a sub. Well, sorry, I take that back. We did make a sub. My favourite player came on, Blair Alston came on quite early, but apart from that, we didn't make a kind of bigger change until the 94th minute. And we do have a um, a question from, from Twitter from EP who's asking about if we could think about, we also, we know that Dylan is a rookie manager. He's new to this. Where can we see Dylan needing to make his improvements? The reason I'm I'm kind of sidelining this is because I think personally, in sometimes it's the game management. Uh, that's that's my thought, and um, I as Jamie said, there must there might have been some reasons why some of them didn't come on. But I did think that Xander McKenzie looked fresh and active when he came on, and could have been a a change for the better earlier on. And um, and if T- Tommy Adelaide is fit and ready, then surely we bring him on because Graham and Williamson by the end looked dead on their feet. But what do you think, David? Well, this one, it, I mean, what did we lambast McCall for for about three and a half years is he didn't make his subs at the right time, week in, week out, you know, putting him on too late, putting him on too early, taking people off, what's going on, da 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 da, da. And it's, it's interesting to see Dylan getting a bit of that criticism as well, because I think that one of the sort of 
bright points of the, the last season with Dolan was that we had went through the call ball. It do, it's rigid. It doesn't change. It's, it is what it is and stuff like that. Subs are made at the wrong time and you just kind of have to deal with it. It's never changing. He's never going to move into a different sort of strategy. And then when Dolan came along, certainly in the first couple of games, um, he was trying out strategies. He was, you know, shaking things up at half time when they weren't working and things like that. And you could see marked differences in, you know, performances in the first half and the second half, not in good or bad, just in terms of how defensive we were, how attacking we were and stuff like that. And that arguably is one of the keys as to why we were so good last season, is that after so long of McCall being McCall and sticking to being McCall and not really doing anything outside of not not really rolling the dice very often. Dylan was willing to roll the dice and was able to pick up, right, this is where we're falling a bit short. Let, let's patch that up and do it. And that was very interesting. But this season, it, Dylan has kind of reverted to, we're an attacking team, we attack, that's what we do. And we're not going to really divert from that. So it, it's that old thing of when you're in top gear and you need to go to a different gear, you can't go up. You have to, you know, you're, you're really stuck. You box yourself in and it's it's interesting to see how Dolan's sort of all the changes that he made in the previous season it's kind of reaffirmed that he's found his style and it's worked so well that he's using that and now he's finding it hard to kind of divert from that it's a little bit better than it was with McCall but again like the subs I mean like the subs last year last season was not a criticism of Dolan uh, if anything we were so used to McCall that when Dolan was making subs like that's a great choice he's done it at the right time great player on stuff like that um so it's interesting to see him kind of getting that sort of uh, stick now as well and he's a rookie manager and he this is his first test this is his first proper where do you go from here and he has to adapt it and it's like it's really interesting to see what he's going to do and I i have confidence in him to be able to do it but you know it's it's really it's really weird like we 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 talked about last season about how he wasn't doing this and now he's kind of reverted to doing it and now he's going to have to break the, the habit and I, I don't know where we go for it. One of the things I would say about Doolin is, for example, the way that he set up against Sunday United didn't work. But then he didn't, he did immediately bring in people like Stanway back into the team because one of the biggest criticisms that we had after the Queen's Park game was the fact, sorry, after the Dundee United game, was that we had no defensive backbone, that we had no, um, like, no midfield to protect the defence. And I think bringing in Stanway, moving McEnroy back in to a more preferred position. So I do think he is learning lessons. It's just the fact that we have got Chris Dillon in and we absolutely love him, but it is his first job and we have to kind of ride along with that. I mean, I remember when I was a teacher for the first time in my first year, you have to make the mistakes to be able to learn how to do it. And then, you know, five, six years into my job, I still make mistakes, you know, at certain things, but I've also learned, like, you know, how to play the game, as you say. So I do think that we, you know, we have in Dylan we trust for now and we have to hope that he is when he does make the errors and mistakes that he is implementing the changes. Jamie, what about you? What lessons do you think Dules needs to learn and may, where do you maybe see that his um, weakness lies at the moment? I think, I mean, inexperience is the big one for weaknesses. I mean, that's not his fault. 
he's a rookie manager. We've said it already. I agree with what's been said. He is learning on the job. Only really done like a couple of months, if that, of like youth coaching before he became a manager. He was kind of thrown in the deep end and he's done a very good job so far, given that that is it. That was his first transfer window as well. He'd never done anything like that before. So but when it comes to subs, I agree that. It's funny because what David was saying, it's true. I don't think last season there really was. I don't remember anyone really criticising Dylan over his subs, which was a massive criticism I and many others had of McCall. I thought his subs were infuriating at times. But this season, there's been a couple of times that I just, I don't know, I just feel Dylan's subs just haven't made it the right time. Or And one of the other things, I think, as I said, he's still learning on the job, obviously. And I really do hate criticising Dylan because obviously we all love him so much. He's an absolute legend. He's one of the nicest guys out as well. But I think he's got a bit of a tendency to kind of stick to what he knows even when things are going wrong like not changing the shape when it's kind of obvious that it needs change like the last two games I'd say the Friday night game at Queen's Park that just wasn't working I don't think I don't think we changed when we needed to and then last night I think Williamson you mentioned earlier he looked absolutely shattered I think he should have come off we have Wes McDonald on the bench I don't know what he's thinking when he's not getting a game he's getting a centre mid shoved out on the left for him and he's not getting on for him at all I feel bad for Wes McDonald he's come up from England and he's Bell again, I look in and can't be great for his confidence. But I just think it's those two things. It's the subs and kind of being a bit more open and willing to to change the system when it's not working. But it is more like smaller criticisms. I think overall Dylan has done a very good job. It's his first full season in the manager and we're still sitting further on the table. So it's hardly like a panic stations moment. It's just small things like that, which hopefully he'll learn as time goes on. Yeah. So, Jamie, let's touch on the, the penalties that we... Well, obviously the penalty that we gave away and um, do we, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it was a really unfair decision. I also, I, I must commend him after giving him a bit of stick over the last, maybe over this season, a little bit from Aaron Muirhead. I did rate the fact that he didn't go and argue with the referee and he did actually refrain. He took himself out of the situation, especially when he has, I, I, in my opinion, he's been wronged because he definitely was fouled first. But um, I think we can. I think we all agree that it was quite an unfair, an unfair decision. Uh, I was a bit frustrated with Sneds because I felt like obviously he moved for the the one against Queens Park and and it went down the middle and then that one he stood still and it went to the side. I mean it's just, I mean it's luck of the draw, isn't it? We've never really been one for saving lots of penalties, but it but it is overall frustrating. Jamie, do you think we deserved to win last night? Like, were you disappointed? Did you, did you think that was two points dropped? Or were you happy? Did you think point gained? No, definitely I felt two points dropped. I felt I felt frustrated after that game because, like we've said, I don't think it was a penalty for a start. And Air just didn't really... I know we didn't create a huge amount of chances, but I thought we created more. There was the one in the first half, and I think it's... Is it Lawless? Uh, not next to the defender, cuts it back to Williamson, and then his shot saved. And then, obviously, Aust- Austin's hit the post in the second half as well. The only chances I actually remember Ayr having were the goal, the penalty, and then the offside goal. But apart from that, I don't remember them doing a huge amount. I think they'll be a lot more happy with the point. Obviously, they equalised. They scored the last goal. They're away from home. They're like lower down the table. I think they're actually maybe even up to fourth or fifth at this point. Now I'm saying that, to be honest. But regardless, I think they'll be definitely the happier team with a point. I feel it was two points dropped. We're at home and you know, that's now our last four games with John Free and lost one, which is not exactly fantastic form. So it, it's yeah, I felt it was it was two points dropped. And I agree with the, the pen, penalty thing with Sned, and I thought that was a bit strange. He obviously if you're a fan of doing that sort of jumping thing on the line that he does when he kinda of like bounces one side, bounces back to the middle, bounces to the side, bounces back to the middle. But 
usually dives after it. So I'm not sure if he was just completely wrong footed because he ended up just he just looked like a kind of stranded in no man's land. He just kind of stood still as the penalty went to the left, and it, it wasn't even that great a penalty. So if he dived, he'd have probably saved it. But it is what it is. I'm not going to blame the goalkeeper for a penalty, to be honest. No, definitely not. I think um, there's been quite a few conversations online today about the fact that the air offside goal could potentially, from the Jag Zone cameras, look like it was onside, and some air fans are a bit frustrated. I thought it was offside at the time. Obviously, where I'm standing in the John Lambie, it's it's you know we're not getting the lines out. We don't have VAR, but I actually think looking back from the um from the um Jag Zone camera, I actually think that potentially Wasiri could have been playing him on. But um I'll be thankful for that. They celebrated at the end like they'd like they'd won, so you could tell they definitely were absolutely buzzing. Is um that must have been their first points against us in a very long time, and especially after what happened with us and them in the playoffs, I I guess that does feel like a win to them. David, the thing that the the, the thing that got me obviously I've not watched the full game, so I could be completely wrong on this, but you know it it kind of it felt like a mirror match to the QP game, and that you know we we got a, a penalty against the run of play, and then. Um, and then Air got uh, a penalty as well. It, again, like you know, Snedden dived for, for the first one in, uh, against QP, and it went down the middle. Then he st- went down the middle, and it went to the left. It was an immediate reaction of a goal straight away, and same scoreline. I thought that there was a lot of elements that were very similar to the QP game, but I think that it was kind of a role reversal, and that QP were the better side against us, and we were probably quite fortunate to to get the point. Whereas I think, as you say, like you know, Air were, were probably very, they were buzzing to get the points. I think they were hanging on, and realistically, I, I think it's one of those where we should have lost on Friday, and should have won on Tuesday, and it's kind of leveled out into to be a draw. So I think there's interesting parallels between the two that are they're kind of similar, but also quite different at the same time. It's interesting that you have those two games in the space of what five days um, and there's kind of strands to both of them some might say spooky and if you haven't already you can listen to the Halloween podcast which David Matt and Mark did and um, and really enjoy that so maybe it was a kind of Halloween spooktacular we are going to move on to speaking about our broth which is coming up on Saturday I know many of us are looking forward to it as um, a very favoured away day David, of course, I'll be coming to you to ask about your, uh, for any listener who's who's not listened before to David's extravaganza uh, when he goes to Gayfield, let's, let, hear, let's hear the highlights, what's the plan of attack, where are you most looking forward to going for entertainment and food? Well, it's an interesting one. So we've got a, a pod out about our broth either the day before this came out or the day after it came out, depending on what I'd do in the middle of the night tonight. Um, however, we spoke to you and Smith doing our Drawlers or Draw Versus uh, series about our growth. And of course, uh, people, long-term listeners know my adulation for our growth. I think it is the best away day in Scotland. It's a fantastic day out. And my, my usual holy trinity of stuff that I do, Bell Rock, Pleasureland, and then Tutty's Nuke for a pint. Interestingly, when I spoke to you and Smith, um, he... He said that to people in our broth, um, the Bell Rock isn't even like top three. 
in terms of Chiffy's Nabrof, which is, and a, a lot of the Bell Rock is the experience of going and sitting and having your dinner, and it's a sit-in thing with your friends, whoever, and, you know, just kind of decompressing while you're eating your dinner. However, they mentioned that there's three Chiffy's that are not very far from each other on by the harbour, which are all excellent, and that people are Bell like more than the Bell Rock, so... Uh, I'm going up with uh, a friend of the show, Smurf, and possibly Jack, um, if he can find the money. Um, we had a whole day of Bell Rock, Pleasureland, Tutty's Nuke, Cans and the Train, a lot. Right, I think we're going to have to um, adapt that. I think we're going to do, I think we're each going to go to a different chippy and then each try the fish supper and see which one is the best, which I think is like a, a proper like road test of like f- maybe three different fish suppers and we'll each have a bit of each. Um, to see what the best one is, because I think that's that's what I want to do now. So that that's the thing I'm looking forward to to fight to seeing if they're going to crown the new champion in terms of best Arbro fish and chips. Um, and also means I'll need to go back to the Bell Rock. I'll need to go up to Arbro and then go to the Bell Rock just to kind of make amends if if it's not. But um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And obviously Pleasureland. Um, we uh, are this year we're planning to try and win one of the things out of the wee daft stall where you can get tickets and win like a pencil case or whatever we've got our eyes and a, a skeleton goblet so that's the plan we're going to win that we're going to bring a trophy back to Fur Hill uh, but yeah but I'm looking forward to it but the free the free chippies that have been recommended they're the ones that I'm looking forward to but the Bell Rock's always a safe one how exciting I look forward to when if we if we lose I don't know 7-0 and we don't want to talk about the game we'll just have an extended detail on your day out I think that sounds great Um, I also would say that I know a lot of people even though Halloween was Tuesday I know that some people are planning to dress up and we're looking forward to seeing those outfits and if anyone else wants to join in the craze then please go for it Um, are you dressing up well my my hockey finishes just before like one in Edinburgh, so I am going. I'm I'm just going to be like uh like last minute dashing to Gayfield. So I'm dressing up as a stressed hockey coach. <laughs> if, that, if um if if that works, I don't know if I'll get my hockey stick in though. I'm not sure, but um you better all be on your best behaviour. Jamie, what do you think about positions, formation? What are you what are you hoping to see from uh, Chris Dillon's Jags on Saturday? Formation-wise, I'm kind of hoping we revert back to the 4-3-3. I know it might seem slightly contradicting me saying Dylan's not changing things up sometimes when maybe he should, but I think formation changes recently just haven't worked. So I'm seeing us kind of fall back into that. Hopefully Fitz, he's fit enough to start. He might not be, though, but I'm hoping he is. If not, I hope McDonald starts at wide. I don't really want to see Williamson playing out wide again. I think he deserves a chance, to be honest. I know he's maybe not looked fantastic for example against Dundee United but I still think he deserves a chance to start Dylan did mention he hopes McMillan is back but he didn't he was a lot more confident the way he was talking about Fitzy so I'm going to take it as he's not back for Saturday so I'd probably just keep the CD Williams a right back to be honest because I thought he would I thought he did all right I thought he was good enough against uh, air at home so I can probably just keep him there keep the back four the same have a midfield three of Bannigan and Stanway and McEnroy but I'd have Stanway deeper and McEnroy in front I thought that was a bit I don't think that worked very well with them being the opposite way around last night. I think they would probably be better off if we deployed Stanway deeper and McEnroy a bit further forward. 
especially McAmey likes to take a shot and he likes to get involved in the attack. Stan wants to Stan wants to be more of a defensive player, maybe. And then probably just keep the other the others the same with Graham up top and Wallace on the right. Yeah, probably the team I'd like to go for. Yeah, I think there needs to be a little bit of change. I don't think either result in the last little while has been obviously perfect. And I think until we find a, a winning solution, I think Crystal needs to be ready to make the changes. David, we obviously had a very disappointing result against them at Fur Hill, where we lost 3-0. Last season, we saw a little bit more luck at Gayfield than we have had in a very, very long time. But we know that the Gayfield curse has haunted Thistle for a while. So I'm going to ask you for what you're hoping for in the game is in, you know, the way that we attack, etc. But also your score prediction. Um, I mean, yeah, Gayfield's always a tough place to go to. Um, it, they they obviously have the wind machine, um, and yeah, they 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 know how to play there, uh, very well. I mean, Dick Campbell last year we got really lucky. Um, we we won four times. They didn't score against us, but that that team last year were absolutely flailing and were a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, I, I, obviously we've seen it for Hill that it's not the same team this year it's a far a far better team and I think it'll be a lot more difficult I think we're going back to we're rolling back the years to like 2020 and 2021 or whatever when we were um, really struggling at Gayfield it, our broker also kind of coming off the back of some pretty rancid uh, defeats they, they beat 6-0 by Dundee United they will be hurting a little bit it could be a bit of a tasty game, I think. I think that both teams are kind of crying out for a win and need a bit of consistency. So I think it may be a bit feisty. But I, f- I feel that I've, I've got... A, I've, I'm hoping that Dolan has seen what they did to Farhill and addressed the concerns and seen where we went wrong and maybe has a bit more of a handle on how to tackle Dick Campbell's Arbroath um, this time round. So I'll go for... I'll go for a I'll go for a one 0 Thistle. I think I think it's gonna be a feisty game, but I think it might be a. Uh, uh, now we we're talking about steals earlier. I think this might be a wee bit of a steal, to be honest. I think that makes perfect sense because obviously we lost Dundee United five 0 and they lost six 0 so that means that we're one goal better. So I totally agree with that logic. I like that. Jamie, what do you think score prediction wise? I mean that we haven't had a great record up there. But as weird as this sounds to say, we actually haven't lost Arbroath since 2021 because uh, we won and drew last season. And then in the 21-22 season, we drew in the second half of the season and we lost all the way back. And I think it might even have been August 2021 was the last time we lost up there. So I don't know, maybe maybe I've turned a new leaf on the, the Gayfield curse. But I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be the best quality game. I've just got a feeling it may be another one of these kind of not the most attractive football to watch, but hoping we can just grind out a result. I'm going to say we win 3-1. I just don't back us to keep a clean sheet the way the defence has been playing, especially if Ben Mellon's not back. So I'm going to say 3-1 Fissel. We've got enough about us. Hopefully Fitzpatrick's back for the game and get a win. Great. Love the optimism. I am going to go for a 2-1 Thistle win. I think it will be a steal. And I think that the the wind obviously will play its part, but 
I hope that we will go out there and you know want to want to fight firstly for get get some revenge for what they did to us at Fairhill, but also to to prove to the fans, the very loyal fans, the dressed up fans, the ones that come, you know, rain, shine or however badly we're playing. And, I, you know, I think they need to show up for us this weekend. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I've got another listener question um, from someone called PTFC on Twitter. Great name. Um, about the January transfer window. It is quite early. We're only in November right now. But I want to ask both of you. I guess I don't I think it's supposed to be a bit more of a realistic question. So if we do have any sort of funds in January, um able to strengthen the squad, potentially, I don't know, a loan signing. And I'm saying that as someone who doesn't quite understand if we can actually get that. Like I don't know if we've filled our quota or not. Uh, where would you like to see us strengthen? And if you have any names of people that you'd like to get, then just throw them in as well because you never know, Crystal and could be listening. Uh, David, any thoughts? I, th- I think a centre-back has to be a priority, to be honest. I think that's the key thing that we, we need um, in there. I, I think that we are severely lacking compared to what we had last year, the losses of Holt and even Brownlee, um, to be honest, and Akinola. I think that if you were to match up them against, like, say, Akinola versus Wasiri, you're taking Akinola, and I think that there has been a significant downgrade um, in the centre-backs this season. I think that if, if you gave me one transfer, it's going to be a centre-back, like a, a proper pedigree centre-back that can really, it can take take leadership um, in the way that Muirhead has kind of lacked. He is an experienced um, player, and but as Heather's mentioned before, he, he can be a bit rash at times and makes early decisions and hasn't really shown the leadership that we really need at centre-back and a strong, affirmative centre-back who can lead the line and guide people for games is what we need, I feel. If we get that, I think we'd actually be all right. I think we actually, because like last year, we were so good defensively that allowed the attack to be more free-flowing and I think that that should be the main priority. I don't think many Thistle fans will be arguing with you there. Jamie, I'm assuming you might be agreeing with David on the centre-backs, but is there anywhere else as well that you could see us improving? Yeah, I agree about a centre-back. I think that's probably the number one priority. I'd say if we're going to pick somewhere else, I still don't think we really have that out-and-out defensive midfielder who's really good at breaking up the play and win the ball back. You know, that kind of Abdul Osman, Isaac Osborne, type player, I mean, or even Ross Doherty, I know he's not quite the same as them, but someone that breaks up the play, wins you fouls in those defensive areas, just that sort of player, we just, realistically, we just have said this, I think I said this in the last podcast, two pods ago, and we haven't adequately replaced Ross Doherty and Kevin Hall, it was always going to be difficult, but they're the noticeable absentees in the team, so I think those are positions we kind of really need to look at, to be honest, I think we still feel a bit light in certain areas as well. McEnroy is good at using his body, winning it back, but I'd, I'd rather see him a bit further forward than defence in midfield, just because I think he had something to the attack. And I don't think we can be fully relying on a 19-year-old Ben Stanway all season. Even though I think Stanway's done very well, I still think we could use another defence in midfield player. I feel like the names Holt and Doggerty are going to, you know, haunt us for years to come. The what-if season is tough. I do think that 
we do need to potentially strengthen in January. It's just whether uh, we're going to have the capacity to be able to do that. Hopefully we can and hopefully we can have a, a good a good end to the season. Just before we go and talk about a few other things, I just want to shout out our very own Reese Haldane, who had a really exciting announcement today. Uh, he is taking on writing the Herald weekly newsletter, and we just all want to wish Reese, um, firstly, a massive congratulations, but also really recommend for all of you to get involved and to subscribe. I think you can sign up online. I'm sure Reese will be um, maybe mentioning it on the podcast and also tweeting it um, and making sure that all Thistle fans can get involved in that. David, I know you were quite proud of our Reese. Anything to say? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was quite well because I am um, I, I seen it this I seen it this morning. Now, I I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have never seen Reese do a blog. I've never seen him do any long form writing whatsoever. I don't believe he contributes to the program or anything like that. And we have a lot of people at Fistel who are you know lots of other people who write stuff for the program that really really good stuff. <laughs> um yourself as well well i mean like this this pod is just littered with people who are writing cool stuff in the program but reese Dame was a notable one of that he he wasn't there so when i noticed that he got he got the gig i was i was really interested because i i don't know what his writing style was like and um i i read the first one this week and i was absolutely blown away by how like how eloquent and like good he is at writing like he's he's a great wordsmith and he's got a great vocabulary and like I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was one of the best articles I've read in ages. I really enjoyed the stuff that Ewan did in the newsletter. Obviously, it's not been going that long, but Reese absolutely knocked it out of the park. I was absolutely stunned that, you know, he's not, he's not, I've never seen him do a blog or anything like that. And straight away, out of the bat, he's pulling out stuff like that. And I kind of wish he had been doing a blog or writing in a program now because it's absolutely brilliant. Like, it's so good. Well, there we go, Reese. You are getting awarded the the gold star of the podcast this week. Um, just before we go on to everyone's favourite partridge thistle, I do just want to shout out the Let's Fill Fur Hill event that is happening on Sunday. Our absolutely fantastic women's team who are doing extremely well right now, and obviously are um managed by our very own Brian Graham. They are playing for the first time at Fur Hill and it's extremely exciting for people, well, I mean, for all fans, for people who've been there right from the start for to like people that have just started going on for the last few weeks and really, really enjoying it. But also it's such a, a massive moment for these girls and, um, and we're so, so excited for them. It would be an absolute, um, it would be absolutely fantastic to see as many people as possible to be at Fur Hill on Sunday, so, uh, supporting and celebrating just what a fantastic part they are of this club. I do think it is worth noting the fact that so many of them were so involved and invested throughout the season last season, not just during the playoffs, but before that, they are so supportive. They are absolutely incredible role models to many um, Thistle fans and especially to young people. And they always give, I mean, I know it personally from my nieces being uh, mascots at, at the women's game, but they take time to make sure that everyone feels so welcome, included and as part of the match day. 
And um, I just think it'll be an absolutely amazing moment for them to feel so supported and um, and loved by by the by Thistle fans. And I do really hope that as many people as possible can get along. Um, I know that the that the admission is free and that all details will be um, are available on the part of us women's uh, different social media channels etc but again I'm hoping that maybe Matt and David will link the description or link um, any of the details in for that I also know that hospitality is only £35 which is really really good uh, you get one course a welcome drink halftime snacks um, you get your padded seat, which we all love, a few interactions with the players and a pay bar before and after the match. So if you still got a little bit of time, then you can do that. So I believe that that is Sunday on the 5th of November at 2pm. There will also be a live stream. But again, as I say, it's free entry and it's really important. I think let's fill for a hill. Let's give um, let's give the, the women's team the support that they that they deserve. David, I know you've enjoyed going to Peter's Hill over the last little while and um, and I got maybe something to say about about that. Yeah, I just wanted I just wanted to shout out uh, Cara Henderson, uh, big Cara Hendo with her absolute drive by shooting of Hamilton Ackies today. She was on PLZ Sports Women's Football Show, which is actually really good. I know a couple of people have been on it before. Um, it's, a, it's a great show. She, she mentioned Cara Hendel mentioned that she had never played in a stadium before, which I found really funny considering we are playing Hamilton Ackies and she has definitely played against Hamilton Ackies away at Hamilton Ackies Stadium, but basically throwing shade at Hamilton Ackies. I've not played in a, a real stadium instead of like <laughs> Hamilton Ackies, so I did enjoy the drive-by shooting. I, I did wish it wasn't against the team that they were playing on Sunday because then they'll definitely, they'll definitely put four past us now that she's. You, they're definitely sticking that comment up on the dressing room wall beforehand as motivation, but uh, I, I thought it was really great. But it's going to be a fantastic day. Hopefully we get the win. Hopefully They've already smashed a record for women's um, attendance last week, so it's going, to, it's going to be a fantastic day. I'm really looking forward to it, and yeah, hopefully we can get a win and get it even more up the Ackies after Cara Hendo's incendiary statements on PLZ Sports. Um, I think I think you're right. I think um, it's such an important part of our club, and um, if anyone can go along and support them, please, please do. And finally, we are going on to Partridge Thistle. Now, I um, I have hosted over the last a, a few times over the last few while, which I've really, really enjoyed, and the trust that's in that's been given to me over the last few while has really skyrocketed when Matt lets me choose my my own Partridge Thistle questions. It used to be when I first started that that Matt would give me a question, but um, I'm being trusted these days, which is very exciting. And uh, because it's me, and because I knew that David's going to be on, and David is a big Swifty, not as big as me, but 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 getting there. My Partridge Thistle question is a Taylor Swift. Well, it's been inspired by by um by Taylor Swift. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, Taylor Swift um has just re-released her um album 1989, which uh to many people is her uh, most iconic album. It was a real change of style for her. Haha, <laughs> for those of you who get it. Um, but <laughs> uh, but. She's re-released her album, and one of the be- the best things about the fact when Taylor re-releases her album, this is all about her owning her own music again, 
um, she often uh, will make subtle little changes to maybe the lyrics or the way that a song is performed or the way that she even just the way that she says it and as a as someone who is very invested in it you can really hear the difference and for example in when we when she released Red we had a 10 minute version of All Too Well which is just absolutely iconic but the, my big thing is the fact that she's re-releasing it she's taking ownership of her own music and she's making changes and improvements so my question to David and Jamie was if you could do a uh, Taylor's version of another season of a season uh, uh, that Thistle have played and I have taken away the most obvious answer ever which is last season because we just don't need to talk about that ever again if you could do a Taylor's version of a season you know change the manager change the personnel or kind of or the way that something's been performed etc what would it be I'll come to David first. Um, I, I was hoping you'd go to Jamie first, but I've got I've got an answer here for you, right? So it's interesting that you bring this question up this week. So we are doing an interview with um, Dave McKinnon, um, former Thistle defender, Friday, and it'll be out in a week or two, uh, when whenever. But um, uh, the Thistle Archive, our, our comrades at the Thistle Archive, they sent me a full dossier of information about Dave McKinnon's career and basically questions he wanted us to ask is really really detailed thing and as we were going through it and doing research as well on that we found a season 1978-79 sounds like an incredible season um we were like genuinely in the title race at like at January we were in the race for the Premier League title in January and then kind of fell apart and as well as that, we got to the Scottish Cup semi-final. We scored in the last minute in the Scottish Cup semi-final against Rangers. It was ruled offside and then Rangers won the replay. And then the team that they played in the final was Hibs, who we beat 6-1 three weeks before the final. So with, uh, you know, a wee bit of changes, uh, you know, a bit, you know, a sort of Kendrick Lamar version of the, of, you know, the Scottish Cup semi-final or whatever, you know, make some improvements. We could have won the league and the cup. We could have been in Europe and like a couple of tweaks here and there, and we we could have we could have been double winners. But yes, I'll go with that just because I noticed that quite recently. I thought that was a fantastic season. That a couple of changes we could have done really well. And so not a step on Jamie's toes because I I knew that I would probably pick the same one as him if I didn't. Well. I'm so I I absolutely love that answer. I'm I'm wondering, and this is my very bad knowledge. If that is that the season when potentially we were winning the league and then the ice came and like and something to do with Christmas, I believe that, so. Yes, yeah, I, I really think it is. Also, I'm so excited about Dave McKinnon coming on. Uh, Kirsten Fraser and myself had a really lovely experience of him on Off the Ball. He was so kind, genuine, so um, so keen to hear about her game too, but also had such warm, happy memories about Furhill. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing that interview because he is a really, really special man and is, you know, really um, campaigning for such an important cause to do with heart screening. And I think that's something that so many people do need to listen to and hear about because you know um it's it's something that is creeping into our game more and more and um and we need to be we we need to be vigilant when we can jamie what would your taylor's version be of a thistle season i feel it's a relatively 
easy pick for me. It'd be the 17-18 season when we went down from the Premiership because I think there was just a lot of different things that season that could have we could have done differently that maybe would have meant we would have avoided relegation. You, you never know. We could still win the Premiership today, obviously. No one knows. That's like some parallel universe story if we'd still be up there or not. But to think about it, we only ended up finishing 11th behind Hamilton and 10th on goal difference on the final day. That's how we ended up finishing 11th. There were so many little things that happened. Those back-to-back stoppage time defeats to Dundee and Hamilton, only signing one player in the January window, arguably not sacking Archibald after that 5-1 Kilmarnock game. There was a lot of different things that, if you think about it, could have been done differently, and then we might not have got down that season. So I think that's the one that is quite an also, apart from last season, obviously, but it's one of the biggest what-if seasons I think I've always had. And then another one, I suppose, I'll give a double answer, is what if COVID hadn't happened? what would have happened in the 1920 season. But, and I mean, to be honest, in the long run, I think going down to League One was the better thing anyway, because we came back up as a bit more of a revitalised club. So just the long-term view, it probably did help. I think that's a really interesting one, because especially over the last few years, um, me- seeing that quite a, lo- a few teams have really benefited from that new manager bounce. And you do wonder that if we had sacked Archie earlier and had a new manager within the season could that have changed like is it in the premiership could that have changed things it also obviously could have changed things for the, for the worst but it is hindsight is um is a cruel cruel master and um, my season that I've gone for is I've actually gone for the 2008-2009 season for those of you who are unfamiliar we came second that season to um to St Johnson and it was one of those very strange seasons where, yes, of course, you come second in the, well, second in the first division. That's a really good achievement. Unfortunately, that's the four playoffs and things. But at no point did we ever actually challenge St. Johnson. And it really wound me up. And how do we look at some of the players that we had that season? We had players like um, Simon Story, Ian Maxwell, Archie was both Ian and Maxwell and Archie were kind of like at the kind of end part of their career. Liam Buchanan, a very young Chris Dillon was there. We just, it looked like such a, and, and we see now St. Johnson went up that season and then they're still in it from there. And I just find that wild. So we kind of look back and think, you know what, if we'd had, my Taylor's version is, if we'd had a bit of an older Chris Dillon with Erskine and Lawless back already in there, what could have happened that season? You And, um, and let's chuck Liam Lindsay in there too, you know, if we'd had some of the players that we've had over the last few years in in a in a season like that, could we have been St Johnston and you know really kind of made a mark in staying in the Premier League for so long? Well, I really enjoyed that, David. Do you have a last thing to say? I I, I have a couple of shout. I just wanted to say I was also going to ask you ahead of our question, but uh, I wanted to ask you what did you think of 1989? Well, absolutely. Um, so so I absolutely love the vault tracks so the kind of the unknown tracks that we that we got gifted uh last week um obviously love deep diving into what their hidden meanings are and quite a lot of um ones directed to one of the other um one of my other my musical loves which is harry styles but yeah i've really really enjoyed them i will absolutely hold my hands up right now and say that there are actually i did think that her new version of one of my favorite songs i know places isn't i actually prefer the old version i think that some of the re-recordings are a little bit tinny this time but Mm -hmm. um i do always i mean 
1989 is iconic. It's it's the album where she became a not just a she became a pop star, not just a country star, and it kind of put her on the map, as they say, um, globally and worldwide as as a superstar. And um, for many people my age, it's the kind of album that we grew up with um, in our kind of late teens. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I love 1989. I wouldn't say it's my favorite Taylor's version. I think she made massive improvements to Red, whereas I would say that 1989 was already absolutely iconic. So um, that's my thoughts. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of a, in agreement with you. I really like Speak Now. Uh, I thought that was an, an amazing Taylor's version album. I really, really enjoyed it. I was never too big into Taylor at that time. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And 1989, it's weird, like Folklore Evermore are my favourite Taylor Swift albums but 1989 has the most Taylor Swift songs I love so it's got like New Romantics and Wildest Dreams and a whole bunch of other ones so it was kind of weird because I'm so I love those songs so much that it's kind of again hearing them re-recorded was a bit strange but it's such a, it's like it's like ABBA isn't it it's so it's so imperious that you, you can't really ever made them bad you know, they're always still going to be really really good and I did enjoy the vocal tracks but I agree it's probably not the best Taylor's version but it's still a really really good album I really enjoyed it yeah I'm a Speak Now girly Speak Now is my Speak Now is my album so um so yeah I absolutely love that as well but yeah I would say that I would say her vocal tracks and other albums have have um like I mean I'd love an album just of all the vocal tracks that's my that's my goal <laughs> Um, yeah, can I can I do a couple of shout outs as well? Absolutely. Uh, a, couple, a couple of uh, office admin things. Um, so Jamie, you'll be delighted to hear that um, we are now letting you in on the secret. We are doing the Drawlers or Draw pub quiz at Free Cross on the 11th of December. Um, so everyone who was there the last time, um, if you want to come along, it was a fantastic day. We raised a lot of money, have some great prizes hopefully get some players down, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if you came before, come again. Um, Matt's writing the quiz as we speak. Um, he's um, absolutely in his element. And speaking of quizzes, me and him are doing a podcast starting in January called Quizzle. We've already done one episode about who wants to be a millionaire, uh, where Matt tested my theory that I could comfortably win 125 grand a millionaire. So you'll have to tune in to figure out whether I did or not. And as well as that, the Ray Bradshaw Jacks are good gig at the stand in the 18th. That's going to be a great day. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. The first one is one of my favourite days out, um, non-game Thistle days out. So I'm really looking forward to that again. That will be absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I think that is me. Oh yeah, listen to Halloween special. It's my favourite one every year. Go on. Absolutely love that, David. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Draw, Loser, Draw. We have enjoyed, which is wild because they weren't great, talking about those last two games and hope you all have a great time wherever you are supporting Thistle against our broth. Make sure that you follow up on any of David's suggestions, not just for our broth days out, but also for some of the amazing events that are going on very soon at Firhill and beyond. Please make sure that if you have no plans on Sunday that you get yourselves along and you support our absolutely fantastic women's team. Stay safe and enjoy your week.